0: Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at antiochraleigh.com. My name is Ben Wickle, and I'm I'm one of the pastors, and I get to bring the word this morning. I get the privilege to preach from God's word this morning, so I'm super excited. Uh, I'm going to open this up in prayer, and then we're going to jump right into it. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. We thank you that because of Jesus, we have been invited into the family of God. We've been adopted. And as Paul prayed, Lord, I pray right now that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Reveal yourself to us this morning. Reveal Yourself to our hearts this morning. Lord, may we leave this place more in love with You, Jesus, more transformed by Your grace, more beholding Your beauty and Your glory, that we would accurately reflect You in the world today, God. We pray this in Your name. Amen. Amen. Well, a few years back, I saw an incredible movie called Lion. Has anyone seen that? It's not the most well-known movie, but it, it is a powerful movie. It's a story of a young Indian boy who is accidentally uh, disconnected from his parents. He ends up getting adopted, and I won't ruin it for you, but it's a story of, of him journeying back to try to find his parents again, his mom again. And the, the way the story starts is that young Saru, he's five years old, young Saru, uh, he finds out that his brother, older brother, is sneaking out at night. He's stealing coal from trains in order to go and exchange it for food and milk. And so he finally gets his older brother to let him join in on on some of this. And his older brother says, hey, Saru, you just wait right here. They're, they're, They're on a train. It's late at night. He says, stay on this bench. Don't move. I'll be right back. And it's middle of the night. So Saru, he falls asleep. And hours later, he wakes up. He's in a totally different place. And he, he I think he ends up in Calcutta. And for months, he's on the streets. He's trying to survive. And, 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 and thankfully, he gets into an orphanage to at least get some care there. But ultimately, he gets adopted by this incredibly loving family. It's a family of means. And he, he's this family from Australia. And they bring him back to their home. And at the same time... Uh, this same couple adopts another young boy, same age, because they want Saru to have a brother. And the brother's name, I believe, is Montage. And one of the themes of the movie is that you you get to see the relationship between these two brothers, same age, same adopted parents, adopted at the same time, same access to uh, love, care, resources, and yet, the movie portrays that sadly, that Montage, even with this, a lot of the same access to these same adoptive parents, he is carrying the woundings and the trauma of his orphan days of his abandonment. There's even a, an, an intense scene in the, in, in the beginning of the movie where they take him home, they take Montage home, and he's, he's just self-destructive, he's, and they're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And tragically, throughout uh, the the story of the movie, as they become adults, there's you see you you see the stark difference between these two brothers. Saru is he's he's, for the most part he's stable. He's he's loving. He's assimilated in the culture. He's getting an education. He's got a relationship. And Montage, on the other hand, he's unambitious. He's uh, he he just struggles. Some of the same patterns of the orphan abandoned lifestyle that he took into adoption, he still carries, even as an adult. And I share that story as an illustration because I believe it's really relevant for us as Christians. For us as Christians, we've been bought with the blood of Jesus. We've been saved because of the gospel. We've been adopted. John chapter one says that for all who received him and believed in Jesus' name, God gave them the right to be called children of God. And that's a wonderful reality, and, and even with that truthful, wonderful reality that is, is so real, it's so important to us, how many of us do, do we carry the, the woundings, the thought patterns, the emotional trauma of, of our old orphan hearts even into our journey with Jesus? Now let me take a step back and speak about the past couple weeks. Steve has been up here, and he's been sharing some 20, 20, 22 prophetic statements that him and the elders are believing for Antioch Church, and he's he's communicated them as we believe statements. And the one that we've been focusing focusing on for the past couple of weeks is that we believe that Antioch Church will be an emotionally and relationally healthy church. And sh- tragically, we, we know and we, we've experienced, we live out that, that we can be spiritually gifted. We can function in all the spiritual disciplines, prayer, Bible study, worship, so, so important. Those things are important. We can have right theology. We can have all of those things, yet our experience tells us that we can be so, so dysfunctional at an emotional level, and our relationships can suffer. And so we're believing that God wants to, God is calling this church to be a, a mature church, emotionally healthy church where we don't struggle to live courageous, wholehearted, connected lives with God and with others. And so I want to propose this morning that at the root of so much of the emotional, relational dysfunction that is even in our own lives, at the root of it is the orphan heart. We are not, we have yet to fully realize and live in what the Bible calls the spirit of adoption. Can everyone say adoption? Adoption. And before we be can, can become mature mothers and fathers, that's a calling, that's an assignment on this church, that we would be spiritually mature mothers and fathers. But before we be, can become mature mothers and fathers, we have to be sons and daughters. And when we know whose we are, And when we can be convinced of who we are, we will accurately begin to reflect who he is. And so I have three points this sermon. Here's here's where we're going to go this sermon. Number one, I want us to look at what is the orphan heart. I want to give a biblical foundation for where do we see that. What is the orphan heart? Give some definition there. Then secondly, point number two, I'm going to give a diagnostic tool of how the orphan heart can affect us as Christians with the goal of giving you language, giving you understanding, inviting the Holy Spirit even to convict our own hearts. And then lastly, we got to talk about what do we do then? How do we overcome the orphan heart? So what is the orphan heart? Let me give you a a couple definitions, and then we're going to jump into the scriptures. So an orphan heart is any part of our inner self that has yet to be transformed by Father's perfect love. It's any part of our inner self that has yet to be transformed by Father's perfect love. It's also the unrenewed parts of our soul that cause us specifically to be alienated from the security and acceptance of our perfect Father's love. It affects our thought patterns, our emotions, our behaviors, our words. And lastly, two hallmark emotions of the orphan heart are shame and fear. Shame and fear. So let's open up. I'm going to jump into Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at the Scriptures And remember when I said that the orphan heart is at the root of so much of the emotional, relational dysfunction. I propose that. It's at the root of it. And I say that with confidence because at the very beginning, and what we're going to discover in just a second, is that like the first manifestation of sin in the human race is this orphan tendency. So let me give a little context here. Genesis 1 and 2. You guys know the story so well. It's this wonderful story of a good God. He's, 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 he's walking with his creation. He's created man and woman in his image. Mankind has unhindered access to God. They have provision. They have a home. They have purpose. They have a destiny. And then enters the serpent in Genesis 3. And you guys know the story so well. The serpent comes up, and he deceives Adam and Eve into believing his words over God's words, And that's where we get to verse 6. I'm going to start reading verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew They knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. What's the very first manifestation? What's the first thing that happens the moment they disobey God? Sin enters the heart, and what happens? Their mind, their mental state is now under the influence of this this sinful condition, and they, they now recognize that they're naked, which is more than just an embarrassment. This is shame. They are experiencing the disconnect, the security, the the disconnect from security of Father's love. And then it's followed up now by their actions. Their actions are reinforcing now their tainted, twisted, perverted mental process. Let me give a definition of shame here. Uh, Brene Brown, a a, a renowned psychologist, defines shame as this, the fear of being unlovable. It's the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love, belonging, and connection. The security, and I'm I'm moving on here, the security and acceptance of their perfect father used to clothe them. They used to be clothed with acceptance and security, and now because of sin and the orphan heart, they are left with shame and fear. Let's keep reading verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They heard, they heard the Lord God. And up until this point, whenever Adam and Eve had heard God before in the garden and they knew he was coming, they would have responded with delight, with joy, with security. God, their father was coming. And now even their ability to process reality, they heard. And their actions are tainted with fear. But the Lord said, the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The sinful orphan heart was now operating in their soul, seeking to alienate them from the presence of healthy relationships with God and each other. So what about us? We, we can see the orphan heart, the very first manifestation of sin in Adam and Eve, so, but how does it affect us? And what I want to do is I, I want to share 10, 10 different ways or signs of an orphan heart, 10 different manifestations of an orphan heart, even in our lives as believers. And the encouragement is the goal is to give you, give you some language to help you identify, oh, that's what that is. That's that insecurity. That's, that's, that's what that is. Give you some language, give you some understanding, but also make room for Holy Spirit to come and just reveal Father's love to us in this moment. Amen? All right. One sign of the orphan heart is is in regards to how we see God. Orphans see God as a master to be feared, and they can't see God as a loving father. Sons and daughters see him as a loving father. Let me read to you Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption. Everyone say adoption. As sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his, of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Everyone say, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let me ask you this. How comfortable are you addressing God as Papa, as Daddy? Do you, do you talk to him like that? I mean, we're, we're from the South, Bible Belt South, and there's a, I, I, I'm aware, aware of the religious sensibilities that's like, I don't know if we can connect with God like that. He's the Lord, he's the God, right? And, and he is Lord, true. But l- there is a religious sensitivity that's like, I don't know if I can connect But the word of God is encouraging us. You can know him. We can talk to him as like Papa. The word Abba, it's Aramaic. It's a term of endearment, an informal term that young children, it was reserved just for young children's calling out to daddy. Daddy, daddy. And if it seems a little sacrilegious or or irreverent, well, it's not because that's how Jesus talked. And that's how we can talk. When my children, they, they, they don't just say dad, they yell dad a lot. And when they're yelling, daddy, 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 you know what it means? It means they are 100% confident of whose they are. And that's the permission that we have, that we can talk to them. And so if you don't really, I, I get a lot of people, they can connect to Jesus. We love Jesus. We see what he did so clearly in the cross, in the gospels. But Jesus came to reveal the Father. So there's permission. And I want to invite every one of you to begin talking to God like that, Papa. Something that I do every morning, and I've shared this before and I share it again. It transforms my mornings. It transforms my whole day. Is that when I wake up, and I want to encourage you to say the same things. When I wake up, I just say, good morning, Papa. Here I am, your beloved. Can we say that right now? Repeat after me. Good morning, Papa. Good morning, Papa. Here I am, your beloved. Start your day just like that. Sign number two of orphan heart is about security. Orphans are insecure, they lack peace. Sons and daughters have rest, they are at peace. A sign of an orphan heart is that you're unsure of yourself. You're unconvinced of your place in certain settings. You're intimidated by others, strong-willed people. You don't feel like you belong. You're not at rest. You're uncomfortable. This could be at work, school, church, family, friends, circles, life groups. It could be anywhere. I remember my first job right out of, my first big boy job right out of college, I, was, uh, I got a job by the grace of God, at an established private school. And the resume or the website said, you need five years uh, teaching experience and a master's degree. Well, I just graduated my undergrad and hadn't taught a day in my life. But yet by the grace of God, I got the job. I was excited, wonderful, but for the first day, the first week, and I admit the first year, I felt like I was out of my league. I, I carried this orphan heart with me. Do I belong, do I belong? Even as a pastor of this church, we, I have a pastor, I'm one of the pastors. We have elders who, spiritually speaking, super real. They, they have spiritual authority over me. And just to be real, like I, we have elder meetings, we interact, and, and there are times when the orphan heart comes out, and I'm like, I, do I even believe I belong here? I feel that way. To this day, I feel insecure. Let me give another sign of an orphan heart. As it relates to approval, orphans, they strive for praise and approval and acceptance of others, where sons and daughters are confident in father's love and acceptance. An orphan heart, a sign of an orphan heart is that your self-worth and value is contingent upon upon what others say of you. Every Sunday, or every Sunday that I'm getting ready to preach, I, I spend a lot of time prepping, I come up here, and, and again, be, I'll be full disclosure. When I'm done preaching, I get off the stage, and for the next six to eight hours, my identity is being tested. How, it, Craig knows what I'm talking about. Anyone who's preached, anyone who's done public speaking, you, you know it. You're like, I feel so small. And I love it when guys like Brad just, great job. Like he, he's that a boy. He does it. I'm like, yes. And I'm not sharing this so that you do that to me. I'm sharing it because I have an, this identity crisis happening. And so what I have to do every Sunday is before I come up here, I I visualize this. I use my sanctified imagination, and I just say, okay, Father, what are you doing? What are you saying? And And I usually what I do, I see, I see Father, Son, Holy Spirit, front row, and they're just going, you got this. You got this. And I rest in that. I rest in that. They're proud of me. And what I've learned is that as, as I'm receiving their affirmation, at the end of the day, it doesn't care. I don't care what you say. I mean, I do, but I can always just rest on Daddy. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I love you too, Brad. Sign number four, sign number four of an orphan heart is as it relates to spiritual disciplines. Orphans see spiritual disciplines, that's prayer, worship, Bible study, those things, as a duty to earn God's favor. Sons and daughters, they have pleasure and delight. The orphan lie is that if I do this, if I spend time with Jesus every day for at least an hour a day, God will love me. He'll love me more than he did yesterday. That's a lie. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is with Jesus is when he gets baptized. He's, heavens opened up, Spirit of God descends on him, and we, we know the story. The Father says, "This is my beloved son. You're my, you're my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased." And my favorite part of the story is this: when it takes place. When does that story take place? He hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't done any ministry. He hadn't preached the gospel. He hadn't done anything, and he's secure in Papa's love. That's for us. You can can decide today, I I don't want nothing. I'm not going to spend any time with Jesus or I'm not doing anything in these disciplines. God's not going to love you any better. He loves you. He loves you. Sons and daughters are rooted in Father's acceptance, His delight. They want to do it. Orphans have to do something in order to be someone. Spiritual sons and daughters, they... They do something because they already are someone. That's the difference. Number five. Number five, sign of an orphan heart as it relates to self image. You may have an orphan heart if there's self rejection, there's comparison, there's self hatred. Sons and daughters are convinced of your value before God. I believe this particularly relates to even body image body image. I remember as a young child from six or seven up until it's still ongoing, I've had this deep insecurity about the way that I look, I physically look. No one ever once told me, I don't, I can't remember anyone ever telling me, oh, you're, you're fat or you're chubby, but I remember growing up feeling that way about myself. I just had it. I couldn't even, I would, I was hesitant to go to the pool, go to the beach. I couldn't, I I couldn't take off my shirt. I I just felt so self-conscious. I carry that with, even now I'm I'm like, my hair's going, starting to do this thing and starting to get thin up here. And I'm like, honey, I'm feeling really embarrassed. And she's like, it's okay. I love you. She can tell me she loves me. And I, I know God loves me, but I don't feel that way about myself. I have failed to come into alignment with even his emotions for me. And why is that? Because I have an orphan heart. I have an orphan heart. Number six, a sign of an orphan heart is as it relates to peer relationships. Orphans, there's competition, there's rivalry, there's jealousy. They're especially towards others' success and goodwill. Sons and daughters love to be humble, they love unity, they can celebrate others. When others are promoted, they're blessed. Favored, shied upon, honored, what do you think? Do you think, what about me? What about how hard I've worked? How hard I've served, sacrificed? Why does so and so get the praise, the glory, the honor, the recognition? This happens at work with promotions, it happens in our families, among siblings, with parents in their blessings, it happens in ministry. Why does so and so get the title, the position? Do we celebrate others? Number seven, sign of an orphan heart is as it relates to admonition. Orphans, they have difficulty receiving correction. They're easily hurt. They're defensive. Where sons and daughters, it's a blessing. They get defensive. Anyone else who's ever anyone else who's married ever been in a fight with their spouse before? Okay, a couple people. Okay, great. Well. When Julie and I get into an argument, and and let's say she's bringing something to the table that is where it's truthfully making aware of something something that I'm not doing correctly, I get so defensive. I get so defensive. And there comes a point in the argument where I know she's right, and I'm like, well, I'm going to take you down with me, honey. So I just start... I just start pulling up random stuff. Well, well, you know, five years ago, you said that you did that. that, 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 that." That's an orphan heart. That's an orphan heart. I was trying to actually think of a specific sermon example, and I'm like, I can't even think of anything. And that just goes to to show you that nine out of ten arguments, it's not about what you argue about. It's about how you respond in it, right? Remember Jesus before Pilate, he's, he's on trial With the the high priest and Pilate and all these guys, and they're throwing accusations at him. And of course, Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. He's actually blameless. And I I can't remember which gospel it is, but I love how Jesus just—I think it says something like—he answers them not. He doesn't—he doesn't even defend himself because he's so entrusted his righteousness to the Father. He's so secure. Number eight, a sign of an orphan heart as it relates to expressing intimacy and vulnerability. Orphans are guarded. Sons and daughters are open and affectionate. Orphans have a hard time opening up and showing real affectionate love, intimacy, or even being vulnerable about the weaknesses and imperfections. Why? Because they fear the pain, the betrayal, of future, of future wounding if they open up. We've talked about shame already. Sons and daughters are secure in the affection of their father, and they're able to translate that security by risking love, loving others, intimacy. Oh, anytime we're intimate with one another and opening up our hearts about good things or bad things, that, that takes, takes risk. There's a courage there. The, ch- the problem is, as, as, as orphans, when we... Re- we, we Stiff-armed people, relationally, relationally open up because we're trying to be safe. That actually isolates us. Number nine, a sign of an orphan heart is how you view resources. Orphans, there's lack. There's scarcity. It's hard to share. They're not generous. Sons and daughters, they're generous. They believe that there's always enough. Always enough. Orphans are more concerned with getting theirs. This is another truthful, internal reflection of my heart. There was a time when Julie and I were thinking about praying heavily about going overseas missions, and this this fear came in my heart. We were in this church, and at the same like we were at the same time, other people were raising funds, and I had this heart, and I, I fear came in my heart. It was it was this is a twisted thought, but it was I'm being real. Thought was, well, if if all these, you know, four or five other folks they raise money, there won't be any more money for us. I thought that. I was like, there's a lack of resources. And it 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 was an orphan heart. It was an orphan heart. Number 10, sign of an orphan heart. And as it relates to viewing problems, orphans are easily discouraged, they're anxious. We're sons and daughters. They see problems as promises. They understand that there is no testimony without a test. They see, they realize that every miracle is, was once a former problem. And they see God's faithfulness. So where do we go from here? I, I, I. I can imagine that probably everyone here could maybe identify with at least one. I can identify with 10 out of 10. I've already shared that. So where do we go from here? How do we see the orphan heart displaced? I'm gonna read a passage from Romans 8. I love how the word of God is not silent on this. Romans 8, 14 through 16 says this. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Can we all say, Abba, Father? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's a lot that this verse says, but I want to point out this. What is the Holy Spirit saying right now? The word witness there is to publicly testify. One of the greatest sermons that has ever been preached, that is being preached right now, that will ever be preached in the entire universe is happening right now. It's the endless sermon of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, you are a child of God. He, he can't stop saying that. It's the truth. And Father, Son, Holy Spirit are so wanting their kids to like know that. Because they know that once we know that, there won't be anything, any fear, any shame that will be able to stop us from living out the fullness of what God has for us, Warren, or one of you guys, come up on the keys for me. So this weekend, over the weekend, our our two of our daughters, Hannah, who's seven, Karis is uh, she's four, and they get along really well most of the time. This was one of those times they weren't getting along well, and. They're playing with each other in this, their room, and they have these, these little figurines called bunny critter toys. And though Hannah is older, Karis can be a little bit more of the aggressor. And all of a sudden, we just hear Hannah, she just starts crying. Dad, I'm she's crying, she's crying. And we're like, what's the matter? What's the matter? And Hannah's like, she, she, she called my bunny critter ugly and mean. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, like, compassionate, Dad. But inside of me, I'm going, like, Dad, like, why do you believe that? Like, that's, there, there's a lie that's so ridiculous that you're believing. I didn't, I didn't, there, that was not on my face. <laughs> but it was what I was thinking. So we said, Hannah, is your bunny critter mean and ugly? We wanted to test her to see if she actually knew what was, tr- what was true or not. And she said... No. So we said, so your bunny critter is not mean. Yeah, it's not mean. Okay. All right, then repeat after us. My bunny critter, my bunny critter is not mean and ugly. It's not mean and ugly. All right, she got it. She got it. And we, we kind of laugh, right? We laugh at the, the, the silliness of that because us as, you know, as parents, we can identify of the silliness of the ridiculousness of lie. Of things that aren't true that are spoken of us how much more father in heaven he sees us our, us as his kids and we get emotionally distraught God's not gonna provide I'm not worthy I don't know if I belong I, I there's fear there's I'm, I don't like myself we we entertain the lies of the orphan heart we get emotionally distraught and God is saying well, what's the truth? What is the Holy Spirit preaching right now? We cannot afford, church, to have a thought in our minds that is not in His mind. You cannot afford to have a thought or emotion that is in the heart of God or that is, that is, that is in you that is not in the heart of God. And so, what, I, what we're going to do, like this last, we're going to have, a, I'm going I'm to lead us through something very similar that I did with my daughter. We're going to do a, a worship-filled sp- spiritual declaration. And I, what I want us to do is I, I want us to listen as I d- read out the Word of God. I want us to listen to what the Holy Spirit is preaching right now. Okay? I, I'm, I recognize that I'm completely dependent on the Holy Spirit right now. I'm just a vessel. I, I, I'm just a preacher. But if there's going to be encounter, it's going to be because you willfully say, I believe what the Holy Spirit is saying right and I receive it let's all stand up I'm going to read a lot of declarations I'm going to put up verses I'm going to read the verse and what we're going to do together is that we're then going to declare the truth of what Holy Spirit is saying over us this morning okay all right The Holy Spirit is saying to you from John chapter one, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. Let's declare this together. I am a child of God. Ephesians one, three, the Holy Spirit is declaring this over you. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let's declare this, I am blessed with every spiritual blessing, just receive that. Ephesians 1, 4, the Holy Spirit preaches, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. Let us declare, I am chosen, Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has made us acceptable in the Beloved. Let's declare this, I am totally accepted in the Beloved. Ephesians 1.7, you should go back and read Ephesians, it's a good one. Ephesians 1.7, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Let us declare, I am redeemed by the blood, all my sins are forgiven. Ephesians 1 11. in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I have an inheritance, Ephesians 2 4 through 6, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I have a seat at the table. Next one. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I am God's masterpiece. I have a divine purpose. To soak it in this morning. The Holy Spirit is preaching this. 1 Corinthians 2:16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I can think God's thoughts. Philippians four nineteen, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I am completely cared for in Christ Jesus. Psalm 139, verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am marvelous. That's what the word wonderfully made means. You are marvelous. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are marvelous. You say, you look marvelous. That's right. Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, I am an overcomer. And last, but surely not least, Galatians 4, 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son and daughter, then an heir through God. I am no longer a slave, but a child of God. Let's just pray to him right now. Father, we love you this morning. Even where we recognize our orphan heart, in the presence of our sin and our fear and our shame we know that your mercy is greater and so this morning God we want to cry Abba Father we want to cry Abba Father I just want to encourage you around just lift up his name just say if you've never said this before just I encourage you just begin to say Abba Abba Father just begin to cry out to him like you've never done before Daddy we love you we need you Father Come in our hearts, God. Tell me, show me who I am, God. You are a loving Father. We rest in you, Father. Thank you, God. As we end this time together, we're going to go into a time of worship where we are declaring over ourselves even more that God is a wonderful Father and we are His children.